0: Mover Nation, what's going on? It's your Wednesday wrap-up. I'm Collier Landry. Welcome to another live episode of Moving Past Trauma. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. And- when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, And it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Welcome, everybody. We have a lot to talk about today, and I want to thank you to all my uh, Patreon patrons, my channel members, my subscribers, my new subscribers who have found me this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I have, back by popular request, I have... Letters from prison, because many of you have asked for these and said, "Why don't you read some more letters?" Because I know how insightful you guys find these when I share the contact that I've had over the years with my father and what that has uh, really meant to me in my process of healing. And um, but I do want to talk. I do want to go over a couple of things. So um, obviously, making waves in the sort of true crime community. And the television community this week has been a a new television show called Based on a True Story. And it has been out, they call it, the New York Times calls it the Vogue of Killer Content. Now, I have not seen the show yet. I've actually been consumed with another show that I think is really... Man, it really hit home for me. And my latest guest on the podcast that you guys saw was uh, Jodine Weber. And her and I have been going back and forth over the last couple of days because we both have been watching this show. And it is called Burden of Proof. Have you guys seen this? This is on HBO or HBO Max or Max, what it's called now. Essentially, it's a docuseries. And um, it's, it's, it's weird because things like this really hit home with me as someone who has made a documentary about his life and what that has really looked like in terms of um the time the kind of toll that it takes on you and in in this particular show um it's about a gentleman named steven pandos and steven pandos his sister went missing in 1987, like February, 1987. And, oh, thank you so much, Gen X. Granny. Um, it, it, his sister, his younger sister went missing. I believe she was 15, maybe 16. Uh, she was in high school and she, um, she went missing while he was away at college. She lived with his parents and, um, this was in Williamsburg, Virginia. They were part of a, a sort of a uh, an upper-class uh, neighborhood in Williamsburg, a gated community. I believe they either had a house or they rented a house or something to that effect. Uh, but it was on a lake. It was very beautiful and very upscale. And his sister went missing. And the mystery that has been haunting him for now 30-plus years was that he believed that his parents had taken the life of his sister and had covered it up now all of this was based upon the and i and uh, spoiler alert i might give some way i might not i'm gonna try not to because you guys got to see it i find it very interesting as someone who made a documentary about a very similar situation not necessarily verbatim or because this didn't happen to me I, I was, but I was still searching for answers, right, in my quest. And this guy, Stephen Pandos, obviously commissioned a, a film crew to do this for him. And in this docuseries, he takes you through, and it's over the course of six years, really, when they started filming. But it, it is, you know, his parents have since, you know, separated many, many probably decades ago. And his father and mother had had, um, you know, marital problems. Apparently, obviously, they got divorced, right? But he, um, he was laser-focused on their guilt, and it drove a wedge in his family. Like, he had, you know, he has two grown-up daughters uh, who had no relationship with his mom. He had no relationship with his mom for, I mean, I think in this particular episode in the, in the it's a four part docu-series. He had been estranged from his mother for like eight or nine years. He'd spoken to her once. He hadn't seen her at least in eight or nine years. And he had really driven this wedge because he was convinced that either A, his mother was, was involved in either the taking of a sister's life or it, or knowing that she, how it happened he was also convinced that his father had taken her life it was an argument he was abusive because he had hit him as a child growing up as well so he was sort of abusive in there in the household apparently, apparently and he became really laser focused on this and it it's such an it's such a sort of um, I don't know if paradox would be the right word, but it definitely it has a lot of parallels to my own particular journey. But it's it's almost in reverse because he is trying to put something on his parents that he is absolutely convinced because so a lot of the the, the evidence, if you will, and why the police were even looking at them as a suspect is because they were. Uh, they didn't call nine one one apparently soon enough. they didn't They didn't bother the police. There was all of this uh, conjecture that had come out that they they didn't do anything. They didn't care that their their daughter was missing, uh, that that there was there was abuse in the home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at the center of this entire series is this missing case file that had somehow disappeared that the police, had had and that the police you could not find. <laughs> and so the first two episodes carry you through and almost halfway into the third out of the four episodes carry you through this whole sort of narrative. And it plays back in the second episode, they are interrogating his mother. So there were three or four different investigators that were on this case over the course of 30 years. And they're interrogating his mother and they have a letter of immunity because his father, after they had separated, had gone to jail for like a firearms charge or something and was in jail. And Stephen had claimed that his father admitted to him that he was um that he had known and was somehow involved in in the sister's disappearance and somehow knew the location of her body. And all of this, and then rescinded that. He took polygraphs, and they took polygraphs uh, – they did polygraphs of both parents. And this also car- carries into question, because I think a lot of times when we're, when we're thinking about uh, finding clues or evidence or or how all these things work and, – and look, in my life, my father is a world champion, malignant, narcissistic liar, <laughs> and gaslighter, and manipulator, and so I know what that's like. But they they put his you know his parents take these polygraphs and they don't know certain answers and they and they discuss this in the in the docu series of how the polygraphs really measure like changes in blood pressure and and things of that nature. It's a very it's a very archaic way of getting the truth. So then they go to handwriting analysis, which handwriting analysis as they they describe in this entire series is very <laughs> is very fluid in how it could how it can come out because it's not an exact science you're you're looking for similarities doing due, due to samples and throughout this entire journey, i think this is four it's probably a five and a half four four and a half hours total this entire journey of these four episodes, you see that he is not prepared for the conclusion of what ends up happening, which is, he finally gets an, an answer from the investigators that they don't know what happened to his sister, but they know for sure that his parents are not involved. And I think back to my own ins- uh, my own situation, how my father's destruction um, destroy how my father's destructive behavior, murdering my mother, for example. <laughs> destroyed my family and my family dynamics and having to as a child and then as a young a young adult adult still pick up these pieces years later to try to figure out what what is going on what this looks like how do i carry forward how does this affect me to see how all of that is a self inflicted wound with him because he can't and 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 i'm going to say this and i don't mean to sound insensitive and um and I'm not trying to diminish his journey because I've been on the same one. <clears throat> a lot of people have come to me over the years and said, and they do it all the time. Why don't you just let this go? Why don't you? Why do you talk about something? Why do you talk about this? Why did you have to make a film? Why did you? Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot. I fall. I, I I I fall under a microscope of very heavy scrutiny <laughs> for what I choose to do and what I choose to share with you guys, and that's totally fine. But you see with this guy, Stephen Pandos, how this has completely consumed his life for 30 years. And he it's almost, it became, it becomes very evident and it becomes very evident to me that this is something that as it continues to go on, and we're talking, like I said, this is a course of over six years. They filmed this thing. So, he is constantly going back and forth and he gets remarried during this whole thing and he has a fiance and she even talks, shares her opinions about and sees how his behavior is and how he is wavering back and forth on what to do, what not to do, because he still doesn't have his answer that he's looking for. And I did a TED talk about this after I made my film, it was the impetus for me making my film, but it is literally about what if the answer that you seek is not the answer you need. And that's kind of what I want to talk about because throughout this entire documentary and docu-series, I use documentary and docu-series interchangeable. It is, it is a four part series. Uh, this is a man who is trying to get an answer, but isn't prepared for the answer that is in my opinion, blatantly stand, staring him in the face. And, and and at the crux of a lot of this is this note that was left in the bedroom that wasn't written by the, the missing daughter, the missing sister, um, clearly. But it was a handwriting that was similar, but it looks like it was written, she was right-handed, it looked like it was somebody writing with their non-dominant hand to write this letter, which raised suspicions and which cast suspicion on the mother. Hey, movers. Did you know that one in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations, that's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons their companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching, ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Collier. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash Collier, spelled b a b b e l dot com slash collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. so Stephen becomes very focused, like laser focused on this note. And as I said, goes into like two thousand and nine when uh, he, he his mother gets offered immunity by the local police department because another investigator picks it up. And they, they are trying at the, at the behest of Stephen to solve this case, find out what happened to his sister. And this is years and years and years that this has been going on, right? And it is, it is just, it's really, it, you're watching a person who is haunted by these questions. And I think back to my own journey of, I was just trying to find out why my father murdered my mother. I already knew he did it. (laughs) Obviously he's incarcerated for it. I testified. Look, oh, by the way, I'm going to take a sip of water. Speaking of testifying. New merchandise in the store. I think I've shared this before. That is me on the witness stand. Mugs. T-shirts soon. Um, (laughs) Shameless self-promotion. But no, in all seriousness, uh, he he's looking for a closure that obviously isn't there and it has completely consumed his life. It's to a very, what I would think is a very unhealthy way because he becomes obsessed with it. Now he, I think he's a hedge fund manager or something. So he's obviously successful and, and living a life and has children and stuff, but the sacrifice that he chose to make, and he actually is pleading. It's, it's very interesting because that's what really pulled, tuck my heartstrings is when they're sitting there interrogating his mother and offering her immunity saying, and this was based on his father saying something while in custody in Arizona for a, a a firearms charge or something of that nature that he was, um, that he was just sort of spouting off crazy, crazy talk, if you will. Now this gentleman is a Vietnam veteran, a very proud Vietnam veteran had suffered combat PTSD and they thought that maybe that was contributing to it as well, to his uh, sort of crazy talk, for lack of a better word. But they use all of this to try to try to paint it in a light that he was responsible for the for the death of the sister. Which, by the way, they never find. I haven't looked on the news to see if there's an, an ending to it. But as the documentary ends, there's uh, documentary ends. There's. There's no there's no answers. You watch it for four and a half hours and there's no answers. And it got me back to thinking about my own personal journey of healing because you guys always ask me this all the time. And the childhood trauma that, that he experienced or, or early adulthood trauma of losing his sister and not knowing where she was and then wrestling with the fact that his, that his parents are somehow involved because he judged that their actions were not. They 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 didn't call police. They weren't canvassing the neighborhood. They weren't sitting by the phone all day. This is obviously before cell phones. uh, Sitting by the phone, waiting for her to call, and then it comes, and then it all gets sort of laid out when they find this case file. (laughs) The police miraculously find in the evidence room after looking many many times. All of a sudden, the case file shows up, and this is while. This guy Stephen Pandas, is hiring, you know, private investigators. He hires a former naval interrogator to come to him, come with him to interrogate, interrogate his mother, <laughs> to sit across the table and just basically look at her behaviors. And and I, I have to be honest with you, I thought, you know, her per behavior was very prevaricative at the time, especially in the um, in the original interrogations with the police that they that they film and they show you, and then. She is is talking to this investigator, and I you can you can tell that she's being truthful. And and this this naval interrogator comes back and says, you know, look, she's telling the truth. Everything that I can see is she's telling the truth, and there's statements here that she's telling the truth. I I believe her, and he still doesn't want to accept it because he's so looking for those answers, and it has just torn his family apart. So when I look at my own yeah healing journey sometimes you just have to accept that you're not going to get the answer that you seek, <laughs> but you always get the answer that you need. And for him, I think, and, and 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 what I would tell him if he was right here is, you know, he's literally like watching a clock on the wall tick away as he's losing time with his parents. And you'll never get that back. And he lost, he, you know, the, the sort of moral of the story is, I think for me, what I take away from it is, and it's a great lesson for all of us really, is that you, when you become so obsessed with something like this, you lose really precious time. Like he grew up in adulthood, not having a relationship with his parents, not having a relationship with his mother, something I would kill to have not allowing his daughters to have a relationship with the mother. I mean, this is what at least was projected in the film. I don't know this guy personally, but this is what is laid out in the film. And the, the void that that creates in the family and the destruction that this creates, because there was a narrative and you know, you could say law enforcement dropped the ball, or or this and that, and 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 as this case file, as I was saying, this case file that later gets discovered, the parents did try to call. They called the, the police station obsessively. They were trying to look for her, but because he couldn't find any evidence of that, even though his parents are saying we did do this, but he didn't have the, the the police file to go to. It wasn't good enough for him. And at the at the end of it, you really just see that the real impact of this is how he's let this consume his life to a point that he, he, he lost decades with his parents and, and, and decades with his children, not knowing their grandparents for good or bad. And that I think is a lesson I take away with that and i had done a, you know i've always done a lot of little posts and little tiktoks and things of like that about childhood trauma and how this affects relationships whether they are romantic relationships or whether they are personal relationships familial re- relationships the only way out is through <laughs> and you can't hold on to it and this is something that i tried to to really address with My father growing up, and as I had promised, we have some letters that I will break into. Um, But I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, this is a sort of open-ended conversation today. Uh, I don't have any guests joining us today, but I did kind of want to just talk to you guys about this because I I see things like this, and I think the thing that really hit me for my first thing was uh, when Jodine had messaged me, he goes up to the house where he grew up in. And it's obviously been either it's either been rented by someone who or somebody who purchased it, or they had rented it from him. I don't know, but he come he you know he's standing outside, and they they wanted to go inside, and it's a whole thing. And I remember doing that in a murder in Mansfield because I was there. Oh, thank you so much, Kathleen Welsh, super sticker. I was myself very much um, very hesitant about going up and bugging total strangers and going in. Uh, I, I am talking about the docuseries uh, Burden of Proof, and about Steven Pandos, who is a gentleman who made a film or a docuseries. It's on HBO Max, and it is about, he believed that his parents had taken the life of his sister, because his sister went missing in February of 1987. And the film is takes place over the course of six years, from 2006 to 2022, and you know, it obviously just came out, so they file it up even into 2023, and this is um, this is uh something that I I saw. A lot of people reached out to me. You should check this out, and man, it is just a doozy. And it and it, it's interesting to see how like, how conjecture, and you know, if and this is a small tight knit community, in uh, a small tight knit community in um, uh, Virginia, outside Williamsburg. And, you know, I grew up in a small community. And so, you you know, you have these situations where obviously rumors, rumor mill stirs and and conjecture builds and people are saying, oh, I don't trust his father. Oh, I don't trust his... Obviously, it was a thing. And then there was a, you know, it was later in the documentary exposes that there was a boyfriend. And then there, the boyfriend you know, they're interviewing him and how she was jealous of, of the boyfriend's new girlfriend. Cause that was her friend. Turns out she had been impregnated by him and had an abortion and, and, and had the pregnancy terminated, which the parents helped her do. And that was a thing. It just, it, it, it gets, the more that this, this guy really claws at this, the more convoluted it, becomes And really the thing is, is he's trying to fit. He believes his parents have taken her life, but he wants somebody. He wants somebody to tell him that that's not what happened. Even though they're telling him this isn't what happened. This is, this is what we did. And even when he gets the case file, he's still very convinced because he's, he conjured up in his mind over the years, this guilt, this perceived guilt by him. And it just, and it's, it's really, really sad. But I think it's a really good lesson that you can't let these things consume you. And I try not to do that. Um, I mean, I made a film also trying to find answers um, and really figure out what what that looked like for me. And I don't know if, um, you know, I didn't think my father would ever give me a, a reason why he took the life of my mother, but, um, and he doesn't, obviously. <laughs> uh, but you know, I had dealt with all of it. My sort of final thing in dealing with all of it was to make a film about it was to make a journey about it talk about it and share that with the world, share that for my mother <clears throat> and, and do something positive with the whole experience. Uh, but man, it's just, um, it's really unfortunate, but as promised letters from prison, I pull, so I have a, I have about four to 500 of these letters I'm going to have to wear my glasses because, um, it is what it is. Oh, uh, I, I heard that there is new movement in the Stephen Smith case because the uh, Mallory Beach wrongful death trial is apparently uh, coming up here very soon. So now now we have uh, the Murdaugh's. <laughs> the Murdaugh's are back in the news again. So apparently there, there's going to be subpoenas and warrants issued in the Stephen Smith case, which for those of you that don't know, Stephen Smith um was found um dead on the, the in the middle of the road in in the low country in 2015 i believe and it was the first sort of i don't know if you would say shoot a drop but it was the first thing that had come under brought the Murdoch family under scrutiny and stephen's mother has been uh Looking for justice for her son ever since, because then we had, you know, the, they had the the Mallory Beach boating accident. Then they had the the mysterious death of the housekeeper, and then obviously the the kerfuffle on the side of the, you know, the I'm sorry, the the deaths of Paul and Maggie Murdaugh, and then you had Alec Murdaugh on trial, and then the money being stolen, and then the uh, you know botched botched burglary. <laughs> weird uh roadside incident with the cousin i mean y'all know y'all watch the trial but uh apparently now it's very interesting and it's it, it's 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 got to be frustrating for steven's mother because i i can relate a lot because we really want the wheels of justice to turn swiftly. And it's almost like the whole, and I've talked about this a lot, the whole system works in reverse, right? So now they've got this grand conviction of, uh, you know, Murdoch's in prison for, for the deaths of his, uh, his wife and his son. And now we're kind of working backwards and eventually we'll get back to Stephen Smith because, uh, you know, I had Dr. Ken Kinsey on a live a couple months ago and on the program and we discussed because he is now involved in that case. So um, I should actually bring him back on here. Maybe too alive. Um, he just texted me the other day, by the way, so I should—I need to bring him on. Um, but uh, he—he—they uh, th- are now uh, South Carolina Sled, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division is issuing subpoenas and potential warrants for uh, the Stephen Smith case because it's now you know it's been it was reopened up. It was a cold case. It was reopened up. It's being investigated as a homicide, and hopefully. It looks like there's a lot of traction that's gaining with that. And obviously with the the high profile that the Murdoch case got, because not only in the media, but with the three documentaries that are made about it, talking about it, it was a thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Natalie Whiteman says, Mallory Beach was my cousin. I never knew her. Families grow apart. Unfortunately, I'm related to her mother via the Searson family. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm sorry that... Your family grew apart and I'm sure that situations like this are not, um, are not easy. I completely understand because I have been there. Um, but welcome. Thank you for joining us, Natalie. Uh, all right. I'm going to, so, all right, let me, I'm going to set the tone and, and these letters range from 30, well, 25 years, I suppose. This was back when I was living in Sherman Oaks, California. Oh no, this is Encino. Oh, this is post a breakup. Oh man. I moved in with some friends. <laughs> it a long time ago. It's like 11 years ago. Um, well, no, 12 years ago. I can do math. Sunday evening, 1-23-2011. Dear Collier. And by the way, so, um, oh, I'm going to kind of hide this. Um, so my father often will write, I don't know if you guys can see that. So my father will often write either, he'll either type a letter he will write in cursive, or he he will print, and his print is very interesting. So there's always these different handwritings. We talk, I was talking earlier about handwriting analysis. It's very weird, but he's, you know, this is um, this is after his well, his parole was denied. So I wonder what his um, what his his uh, whole state of mind is (laughs) we'll see Sunday evening 1 23 2011 dear Collier am just ecstatic about your vegan mobile project I don't know what he's talking about but okay I was a vegan for a while glad you were able to fix stuff before a highway failure change your email address for CJ okay so he wants me to change the email address for my uncle who is my father's younger younger brother and youngest sibling in his family um, so my, my uncle, uh, was in the Navy and he is not anymore, but, uh, so he gives me his Naval email address. This probably explains why he's not receiving your emails. Well, he's probably, this probably explains why he's receiving your emails or he's not responding to them because he doesn't talk to me. That's the, that would be the most logical Occam's razor. Um, <laughs> basic, basic reason why I'm not hearing from him because he doesn't respond to me. Uh, I haven't much to my uncle in forever, um, and not by my by my uh, <laughs> not by my choice. Yes, my calls to you are ninety seven cents for fifteen minutes. It's a great deal. Okay, talent times investment equals strength. You have natural dependability, sense of commitment, avoidance of excuses. You have a responsibility theme in your DNA, and that's why you will be successful. I have responsibility DNA in my veins, hold on. (laughs) You have a responsibility theme in your DNA, and that's why you will be successful. Is he talking about himself? I mean, he's gotta be talking about himself, right? That it's his responsibility, DNA. I gotta say I'm sorry, I hate to laugh at this because it is but it is very funny to me because uh yes, family is complicated it is it is very funny because uh I don't know somebody's ready here I admire your courage oh thank you so much uh it's just kind of I read these things and I find them quite humorous disasters happen randomly to good people as well as bad ones you have communicate you, you have communication talents. That is why you are excellent at your work. Do I have good communication talents? Do you guys think so? I hope so. Across the board, having the opportunity to develop ones uh, or develop our strengths is more important to our success than our role, our title, and even our pay. However, you must pay me for my skills. As I said previously, run your life on positivity, generosity of spirit, determination, and resilience. Believe in yourself. Snowing at the moment, 6:30 p.m., ate two bananas for supper. Rest was garbage. All the all in the name of all in the name of budget cuts, ha. Was supposed to meet with two outsiders last Thursday, Thursday night. Uh, coming to discuss teaching them certifying me as a grief counselor. I would be the first inmate in any U S prison to be so certified. They are rescheduled for February 3rd. They couldn't make it this week because of snow in Columbus. I'm excited about this opportunity. It's not about the journey. It's about the destination. So (laughs) this is a really interesting letter for me to read. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen these in a very long time. Uh, because my father would often at this point in my relationship with my father, so this is post his parole, but before I made my film where I was, uh, very much in, in you know, I had, I had already had the idea to make the film in my brain. Uh, you know, I was already trying to, uh, I, I am already trying to, to figure out how I'm going to get his participation. So he's, really always trying to sell me on these types of things which is very interesting but he's also giving this like little pep talk uh because he wants to build me up because he he's he's going to you know he he wants me to ultimately help him get out of prison because he thinks that if I can make a film about this whole thing it will help him get out of prison so he's starting to stack his everything with the everything with a psychopath is very methodical and very well thought out and you are just and uh you are just uh, a person to them, a, a, a number to them, a, a, you're not a person, I should say. You are just an object to them that they can use for their benefit. So he's buttering me up because he really, he really wants me to do something to help him get out. And I remember we were having a lot of calls and things that nature. And also at the, at the same time, I am trying to figure out some way and somehow to navigate a relationship with this man and what that even looks like. And also to navigate that relationship, to know that maybe I, because again, when you are going through this and you have a father that is a psychopath who has done such a, a, a horrific thing, you are in a position where you are thinking to yourself, is that is that me? Can that happen to me? Can I be, am I capable of doing such horrific things myself? So as I would constantly talk to him, it was this almost this mental chess game, which is exhausting, by the way. This is exhausting and it is something that uh uh that i am um, i had to deal with my entire life again when i see this documentary burden of proof and and what stephen pandos is going through i think you know you know your parents you have the opportunity to really get to know them and you're projecting like he's projecting those traits onto them and i'm trying to Remove those traits that I'm projected on myself. So you see this sort of weird dichotomy when I watch something like this. This is like literally what I think, and I'm, I'm like, he, he's, he, he, he has the opportunity to be like, okay, I can have this relationship, and I, I'm, and I'm trying to go. I don't want those traits to be put upon me. It's very, it's. It's also very frustrating, too, to even watch. It's, and I understand it's frustrating for him, too, because he, he's caught into a cycle himself. This is, I'm talking about Stephen Pandos, main character in Burden of Proof, which is on HBO Max. Check it out. <clears throat> so, yes, but uh, and to answer your question, yes, the level of unawareness that my father has is staggering on how he's in life and i don't know where he's even getting this disasters disasters happen randomly to good people as well as bad ones you have communication talents that is why you're excellent at your work so I don't, I don't know what this disaster is but there is no greater disaster than this disaster that he caused everything else pales in comparison trust me uh wow so he's very excited about being this grief counselor. and i and I remember going to the prison and i and I even went to a grief uh, recovery uh, seminar to talk about my relationship with him because he was a certified grief counselor. But the thing that is interesting is that this was all done to this was all to done to to, to pad his resume in prison, right? so when you when you are someone like like my father and you are trying to get released from, Incarceration, uh, you pad your resume, and it was really, it was always a very uh, challenging situation because I, yeah, I would be in the visitation rooms when I would go to see him. And for those of you that have not been to been to a prison, and I really hope that's not the case, like it's not fun. <laughs> um, you go in; it, it's, it's a whole process, as I'm sure you can imagine. But you go into the visitation rooms and there's usually like on the back walls usually lined with like you know vending machines for everything you can think of um terrible food and everything like that um not not any vegan not any vegan healthy selections really <laughs> um but uh, um you know you go in and, and it's it's a whole thing and it is it is very intimidating you walk there's guards and there's people but you have to go up to the vending machines and sometimes inmates are allowed to go to the vending machines and sometimes they're not. It just depends. But sometimes I would go up to the vending machine and my father was a very big fan of Reese cups. So I would get him and and look, you know, when I would go to see him, I'd bring $40 and I would literally like just buy everything I could. You know, I would try to, I would get there early because they, and I knew the cycles of how the vending machines would, uh, with the, um, when they would restock them because they would come in and it was a, a certain service who so would come in at like, you know, so if you, if you were able to come in at like nine in the morning, you had to get it at nine in the morning because the next time they would restock is like 1130 and then they wouldn't restock. They would maybe do a, a soft restock at like 230 before the visitation room closes at four or something like that. But I even get, got to know the vending machine people cause it was always the same people. Cause when you're on, when you work in a prison, they, they they don't revolve random staff. I mean, maybe they do now, but a decade ago they didn't because you're all on a contract, right? And and you have, there's obviously when you work in a prison, you have to have background checks and et cetera, et cetera. It's a whole thing. You get the point. But I would go up and I would and I would buy him as much as I could, you know. And I, I mean, I know this might be difficult for some people to hear, but it it did actually make me feel good to be able to do that for my father, because as horrific he as he is, he's still my father. So I was able to really. Um, I was re- there. Was I was really able to to? It was like I was treating him like a kid, you know. And it it, it felt like every, the entire, <laughs> the entirety of my relationship with my father. When I think about it, has felt like a child, father, like a father child, like a father son relationship, but in reverse, you know. Um, from Jump Street, from. The moment my mother goes missing, I'm going to be the adult till now. And it was really, it, it, it was really interesting. So I would, you know, I would spend you know, $40 and buy as much goodies and treats and craziness as I could because I knew he didn't get a lot of that. And, you know, I didn't have, I mean, <laughs> I have money to, to, to buy all the stuff and, it, you know, but it, but it made me feel good to be able to provide that and, you know, put $40 on his books or $60. So he can get stuff from the commissary. I, you know, I, and it's, you know, it's something I can't afford to do these days, but I, I, I you know, some, sometimes I wish I could because he's getting older and he's, well, he just turned 80 and something I can't do. Um, yeah, anyways, I got off on a tangent as I would go up to these vending machines. <clears throat> a lot of inmates would, would approach me or family members would approach me and say, hey, you know, uh, Doc, they call my father in prison because he was a doctor, obviously. So everybody's got a nickname in prison. They give you a nickname. So he was Doc. And I'd be like, you know, I just want to tell you, Doc has been so instrumental in my, uh, in, in, in helping me take responsibility or finding it, you know, often religious programs, uh, you know, and my father, I think, even taught Toastmasters in prison as well. So he would do Toastmasters, you know, if you know what Toastmasters is, it's like a public speaking thing. And, <laughs> um, and he would uh he he would often you know engage with these people and 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 help them, and so they would say, "Oh, how instrumental he's been! he's helped me find you know the Lord or he's helped me read or he's helped me learn or 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 come to terms with my own grief in prison and it was really wonderful to hear those things because I felt really good about the fact that I'm literally listening to them, feeling very grateful that they've gotten something out of this man. But I didn't have the heart to tell them the only reason he's doing this is so he can send me his merit awards, which on that note, I'll get back to the letter. But as I was pulling more stuff, I have another, another letter from him. And this is literally chocked full of like awards (laughs) and accommodations and it's, 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 it's wild. It's, you know, you know, here is a monitoring report for him, Uh, a, a monitoring report continues to keep focus on his mission of bringing Christ to the incarcerated takes constructive criticism very well, moves freely within all cultures within the prison as a very strong, positive role model, not only for others, but also as a beacon for the seminary that he was involved in, and is an extraordinary person in helping others daily success at the Marion Reintegration Center. You know, and this is signed by one of the people that supervises him in prison, but he would send me these things and uh by the way these are on my patreon if you guys want to check it out if you are a patreon member they will be on there uh if you're not a patreon member you can join and you can also join for the year at the ten dollar level or a month or higher and you get a free t-shirt which they are over my shoulder right there my soul you get moving past trauma survivor squad t-shirt even if you want free t-shirt and you get a 15 percent discount for the year anyways your support helps to keep the lights on and make this program possible uh enough on that um but I would get these things and it was all, it was all a very calculated thing where he would, he would give these to me because he wanted me to put these in the film and he wanted me to do all this and oh, this is 2016 when he sent this. It's a, uh, oh yeah, there he is with his group, pastoral training institutes. There you go. And that's my father right there. So yeah, so I would get these things all the time. And yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But as he says, (laughs) disasters happen to even good people. (laughs) Apparently so. It was very hard for me uh, to sort of relate to the inmates because you don't want to like really, you don't really want to, get, you really just don't want to burst anyone's bubble, especially when he's being so, when they're drawing hope and inspiration from him, I don't want to ruin that for them. That's not fair. That's not fair to the inmates that he's helping. Let them believe it. Because he was. he. you know, Let them believe that he genuinely cared about them. And it, he wasn't doing it for his own selfish reasons. I can't say if I was incarcerated, I probably wouldn't do the same thing. I would try to I would try to do all the good works I could do. I I, I don't know. I can't uh, say. Oh, I'm your <laughs> page. Matthews says Collier is actually the reason I am a prosecutor. <laughs> his strength and his own truth himself is what inspired me. That's it's quite a compliment. Thank you. Wow. Ah. <sighs> That's very touching. Thank you. Didn't, didn't know that. (laughs) I have to take that in for a second. Uh, Take that in. Thank you, Paige Matthews. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, lots of, uh, also some crazy talk about bringing in a Subway sandwich shop in here to replace the staff dining room that is closing rumors of course but it would be open to staff and residents on a, on first and second shift it will be interesting to see where that goes i'm spiritually mentally and physically fit and on point i refuse to allow this incarceration to destroy me and or our family glad you and oh this is my roommate at the time you and so and so are making good music Watch out for the, <laughs> watch out for the crazy ladies out there. Oh boy, stay fit and strong. I am very proud of you. Love. Oh, X, 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 oh, dad. Watch out for the crazy ladies. He says. I think the I think the the ladies were watching out for the crazy you, pop. <laughs> that's what, that's what they needed to watch out for. Uh Wow. Um, sorry, I'm still thinking about this comment that Paige Matthews said. Paige, I don't know who you are, but um, I'm glad that I inspired you. It's so. uh wonderful to hear, and very humbling. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you, thank, thank you for sharing that publicly <laughs> on a public forum live. <laughs> uh, as my face turns beet red, um. Yeah, well, that's fantastic, I got to say. I'm going to futz trying to put this letter back in the envelope. Uh, Anyways, drop a a sticker if you want me to answer some questions. I'm here. Uh, Sweeper stickers, we like those types of things. Oh, let me share. I got in the mail today a new sort of merchandise in the store. This is the Marisol Super Chihuahua Moving Past Trauma Tumbler. 20-ounce Tumbler. It's pretty cute. For those of you that don't know, I designed this myself, by the way. Using AI and my own Photoshop skills, which I have. For those of you that don't know, for a lot of years, I was a graphic designer as well. So everything that you see, I make. Everything that you see, I make. Thank you so much, Jen Desemio, for a super sticker. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to use said tumbler. So we pour some water in it. Uh, yeah, this is super cute. We have Mario Soul ones, I have movie, and uh, we have Survivor Squad ones as well. And it has a little metal straw God only knows what what has come from the factory in this. Ah! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah, but it's very cute. It's very cute. I think they, you know, all these products on my website and on the store are made are custom made to order, and uh, I believe this comes from a uh, I believe they I believe they make these in Lithuania. It's very weird, like the distribution centers are all, there was one in Los Angeles, but apparently closed, and now they've moved it down to Tijuana, Mexico, which I get. Mexican labor is cheaper and better than it is, um, at least in China. That's from uh, what I've heard. And uh, yeah, just right over the border in Tijuana. But I I think this is still made in Lithuania. It's a nice little tumbler. I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm stoked. I mean, the best part of it is because it has my lovely doggy, Marisol, on it. And uh, the Hunter Virus, The Hunter Virus, The Hunter Virus. We hope not the Hunter Virus. Isn't that something that cats get? Look at your, uh, your little love to see you on a network with Sloan and Al. I'd love to see you network with Sloan and L who is Sloan, who is Sloan in LA? I don't know. Who is that? I have an amazing song by the beach Boys in my mind. God only knows God. Oh yeah. How does that go? I can't, ugh. God only knows I don't, uh, I don't know. He is a great inspiration. That's for sure <laughs> more than he realized. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lena. Beautiful. Danielle Tamaro, of course, always a supporter, t-shirt buyer, merchandise holder. We love that. (laughs) Uh, I love seeing all of you guys chat in the chat window as well. Uh, thank you so much, Lena. Beautiful. That is very sweet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anyways, what was I, I, you know, I got on the tangent of talking about the prison. I got on the thing, check out this. I would love to know what you guys think. You guys check out this, um, this docu-series, uh, burden of proof, because I, um, I gotta tell you, I was, I was really, I was really blown away. Uh, just at, at some of the, at the peril. So I'm going to make a proper like video and pod like proper one about this too. I got some videos. I, I of course, Took on my phone as I'm watching it because you can't take anything off the screen. Um, a lot, and I, you know, a, on a full full disclosure, I finished watching it at like six this morning, as so I was like, I want to watch, get all this done. I don't have a lot of time to watch stuff. So often, oftentimes I'm watching things while working and making content and making graphics and doing all this stuff for you guys and answering as many chat questions and things of that nature. But uh, I, I and, I, and just last night I was like, I can't, I'm done. I'm done. I got to go to bed. But I woke up. I, I wake up really early in the morning here in LA. And uh, I, I was like, I got to literally woke up and turn on the television, which is not something I do. <laughs> I do it all. But uh, I was like, let me watch this right now. And, uh, finished it up and it was just, its really sad because it's just a lot of lost time. So I think that, I think out of anything, I would love to hear what you guys think about it. I would love to hear about it in the comments below of today's episode for sure. But I, I think that the moral of the story and, and something that I've had to work through in my own process for years and years is that you can't, you can't let these things consume your life. You also can't let them uh let them d- destroy the relationships that you do have intact because not only did this guy lose his sister mysteriously like nobody knows what happened to her but also then there you, you don't have a um you know he he's lost all this time with his with his parents and it's very sad and I think one of the things to sort of take away from this is that we all hold You know, a lot of people had a very hard time understanding why I could even have a relationship with my father, why I even spoke to my father. You guys probably see it in the comments on a lot of these episodes. How could you even talk to him? How do you even discuss it? How could you even do this? I couldn't do that. It's because you can't live with hate in your heart. It will destroy you. You can't live like this because eventually the train will get thrown from the tracks. And And it... And and the way that you're trained derails is not going to be like someone else. Some people choose drugs, alcohol, you know, some people, you know, choose self-destructive lifestyle, you know, some people take out their, their uh, trauma on others, AKA, you know, DV or SA or all the things that I can't say or, you know, choose acts of violence instead of acts of love or acts of compassion. Or, or they just sort of twist in the wind for the rest of their existence. I was not someone who wanted to twist in the wind. That's for sure. At least I hope not. <laughs> I think that's pretty apparent. Anyways, uh, on that note, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.